Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Hey, Chad, another week in another great interview, this time with a Chicago legend when it comes to sportscasting. Mark Schanowski has been around for a really long time. Now he's a part back of WL. Then he went to NBC. Then he went to Comcast Sports. Now he's back with ABC7. And he's going to sit down and chat with us in this special edition of the Friendly Confines. Yeah, not a nicer guy in, in sports media. Great interview. And, uh, you know, we love that, our, you know, we've been able to, you know, branch out to two podcast drops a week. And so if you're listening to this is the first one that comes up. The very, the most latest full episode with nine innings is going to be right after this. But we hope you enjoy this interview. Very cool. So without any further ado, here is our interview with Mark Schanowski from WLS ABC7. Are the Cubs kind of turning into the, the story that maybe the media and, and kind of everyone's going to be looking at um, throughout, you know, the, the next three months per se. Well, those of us who make our living in the media always root for a good story. And the Cubs always seem to be a good story, even when they're not playing well. They always seem to have a lot of drama surrounding the team. Their fan base is so loyal and so passionate that they're always going to be in the spotlight no matter what's going on. And as you know, they got off to such a terrible start this year. Um, you know, Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies could not get guys out. And it was so frustrating. You're thinking, wow, this could be a hundred loss team. They're going to sell off half the roster and it's going to be starting over on the North side. And then the calendar flipped to May and all of a sudden the offense woke up. Guys were hitting again. Hendricks and Davies found their stuff and they were pitching up to their career norms. Adbert Alzelay has been so good as a guy who was supposed to be the fifth starter, but with his stuff, he's certainly better than that. And it's all come together. The bullpen has been lights out. You know, it's one of the best in baseball this month. Everything has gone right that went wrong in May. Now, the question the Cubs fans have is, can it, they sustain this over the final four months of the season? And if they do, will Jed Hoyer have to reverse course and be a buyer at the deadline instead of selling off all these veteran pieces? Well, you, you bring up some good points. So let's start here. And you may have even alluded to it in your answer what does surprise you the most about this team so far through the first couple of months? Definitely the bullpen. You know, early on in the season, they were kind of running the express between their alternate site and the Cubs because they had a lot of injuries. They had guys out for various reasons. And mostly it was because of ineffectiveness. Guys were not doing the job in the bullpen. And they were trying to find somebody, anybody, besides Andrew Chafin, who could get the ball to the closer. And, you know, there, it was just a rotating cast of characters. And you're wondering, when are they going to find the guys who can get outs in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning? And then, lo and behold, Ryan Tapera becomes lights out, just getting everybody out. They call up Tommy Nance from the minors, a guy that no one had heard of. He's throwing 97-98 with great location and then looking like a guy who you can use in high-leverage situations. And all the pieces have kind of locked in from six, seven, eight inning to the closer, Craig Kimbrell who has been pitching as good or better than he has at any point in his career. I mean, he hit 99 on the gun the other day. And, his, you know, the problem when he first came over to the Cubs was not necessarily velocity. It's like he couldn't throw strikes. 
He was walking guys who were constantly men on base and it was creating some high stress situations. Now he's had so many clean saves where he just blows away three guys and, and cue up the music. You know, it's time to play go Cubs go. And, and that's the way you like your closer to be. You want, you want the other team to know that when we're bringing in our guy, game's over. You got no chance. Mark, you, you know, we're talking about some of the guys from the bullpen that were brought up from the farm. There was so much talk in the offseason about this team needed to replenish the farm system. That field kind of left the cupboard, you know, bare, so to speak. But then you're seeing these guys like Patrick Wisdom and, you know, Ancantara and Ortega and these bullpen guys that you've been talking about. Is the farm system, was it maybe a little better? than what we gave them credit for? Or is this just a situation where maybe we're just seeing these guys come up, nobody quite knows how to hit against them or really pitch to them at this point in their careers? Well, I think the farm system still has a lot of room for improvement. You know, some of the guys you mentioned were cast-offs by other organizations that the Cubs brought in. Yes, they were at the alternate site at the beginning of the year and then went uh, started playing for Iowa when they began their season in late April. But these aren't grown and developed Cubs. Patrick Wisdom was a high pick by the St. Louis Cardinals. And how satisfying is that to see a Cardinal cast-off doing well for the Cubs? And some of the relief pitchers who have come have had cups of coffee in other organizations, but now they're getting a chance to, to flourish with the Cubs. You know, uh, Alzali, of course, is homegrown. That's a good thing to see. And, and I think we're going to have to see more of the guys at the lower levels work their way all the way up through the system and then see if they can contribute at the major league level. There's Still looking for more starting pitching. You know, uh, Zach Davies is kind of plugging a hole. He was, of course, acquired in the U Darvish trade, but there's no long-term commitment there. Jake Arrieta is at the end of his great career. You know, he is right now, he's not a top of the rotation guy. If they're in this race, if they're in first place on July 31, you know, the, the irony of this whole thing is they traded U Darvish in the offseason thinking that would be the first uh, step in their mini rebuild. Now, they could be in a situation where they're looking to acquire a guy like you, Darvish, for the front of their rotation to potentially be a starter for them in the po in the postseason. You know, the name Max Scherzer is being thrown out there. Wouldn't that be something if everything that's happened over the last six months, they're in the bidding for Max Scherzer at the deadline? Well, you bring up a great point then, and, you know, it just kind of transitions perfectly into this next question is, you're Jed Hoyer, Mark. So what do you do? Do you kind of have to play out this month of June to just ultimately decide what you're going to do? Because I don't see in any scenario how you can trade anybody right now. You, you know, obviously you can't trade Bryant. I mean, he's clearly, you know, in my opinion, the favorite for the MVP in the National League right now. And if you, even if, even if you get a call from a GM who's offering you a King's ransom for Bryant, I have to believe you're going to roll the dice this year and just say, I'm going to go all in with who I have, regardless of if they're a free agent or not next year. What, what's your thought on that? Well, as all Cub fans know, this next month is going to really tell the story of which direction they're going to go at the deadline. You know, right now they're on this tough Western road trip. You know, you would have thought playing the Giants is no big deal, but the Giants are also one of the big surprise stories in the National League. So you've got the Giants to get the Padres again out there. You've got to play the Dodgers again in their house. You know. A lot, a lot of things could change. they got more games coming up with the Cardinals. So a lot of things could change over the next month to six weeks that may get Jed back to where he was thinking at the start of the year that maybe we have to trade off some of these pieces. The problem is that the Chris Bryant thing is really, I think, a separate story than the rest of it. Because of the service time thing, the fact that there's hard feelings on the Bryant camp with Scott Boris as his agent, 
I just don't know if that signing is ever going to be able to get done with the Cubs unless they offer him exactly what Scott Boris is asking for, which seems kind of unlikely. You know, as good as Chris Bryant has been this year, and he has been fantastic, you know, he's, he's approaching 30 now, and you wonder with the injuries he's had in recent years, are you going to commit to like seven years? You know, uh, what would it be? 300 million maybe for Chris Bryant? I, I mean, I don't know, even as well as he's playing, whether Jed Hoyer and, and the Ricketts family is willing to dole out those kind of dollars. I think they'll, they'll go competitively to bring Javi back. I think they'll be competitive in wanting to keep Anthony Rizzo as a Cub. But I just think the Brian thing is going to be tough to get done because of all the past history. Just forget yeah. the baseball part of it. I think it's just the personal stuff. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you on that. And I think to your point, we've seen so many examples of players who have signed those 10-year deals for 300 plus million. And it hasn't worked out. It's been a bad contract. You have so many, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, you know, I mean, right. it goes on and on, right? So I could see a scenario, but to your point, Boris being his agent, I could potentially see a scenario offering him five, six years tops and try to make him the highest paid third baseman. But anything beyond that, you're right. I, I don't see the Cubs going longer than that. Yeah, I think if Bryant had gotten off to – either a, a poor start or just an average kind of start I think maybe there would have been some sentiment and at least in Bryant's part that he's happy with the Cubs he likes David Ross as his manager he knows that he's well respected by the fans and the media here that maybe he would have given them just a tad of a hometown discount but now he's putting up MVP type numbers now Boris and Bryant are going back to the original strategy we're going to we're going to squeeze these guys for every last dollar and if they don't give it to us we know Scott Boris is not afraid to take a premier client on the market and try to wrangle every last dollar you can get. We're talking with Mark Shanowski. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Shanowski as well, taking a few minutes here with us on the friendly confines seventh inning stretch. Mark, um, let's talk a little bit about David Ross and the job that he has done managing this baseball team. Are you um, maybe more surprised by how well he's been handling this role? Or is this what you ultimately expected, knowing that He's got the pulse of that clubhouse. He's got the relationships with these guys. And that, you know, this is what ultimately the Cubs thought they were getting when they hired him to begin with. Well, I think David Ross has great interpersonal skills, and I think he's very popular in that Cubs clubhouse. Obviously, he played with a number of these guys before he, you know, he retired. And I think he's, those relationships are still very strong. The key for any manager is how you manage your bullpen and, and knowing when to stay with your starting pitcher and when to pull him out. Let's face it, I mean, because of all the injuries they've had, he hasn't had a lot of options in terms of how he's going to construct his everyday lineup. He has to kind of go around the clubhouse and go, can you play today? If you can, you're in the lineup. And, and that's been the amazing thing about the success story during the month of May is that so many guys have been out with injuries, and yet their offense has flourished. You know, they are in the top 10 in most of the hitting categories in the major leagues after getting off to an abysmal start in April. So I think Rossi's done a good job in terms of making sure that he can piece together the best lineup he can on a daily basis. But what really shows the qu a quality manager is, is how, knowing when to stick with your starter, when to get him out, and how you manage your bullpen. And I give Rossi very high marks in both of those areas. Absolutely. Mark, I'm going to take you way back a little bit. I'm curious if this Cubs team reminds you of any past Cubs team. And I'll give you my example, and I'm curious what you think, because uh, this team was – Still to this day, my favorite Cubs team. It was like my favorite team from my childhood. If I made the comparison of this 2021 team to the 1989 Chicago Cubs, 
Do you see any similarities with that team and this team? And, and let me give you some examples. I remember the outfield going down completely for that 89 team with Andre Dawson and Mitch Webster, and then a guy named Dwight Smith, who we all remember, came up and Jerome Walton obviously took over, kind of like what we're seeing a little bit with some of the injuries on this team. A lot of no names in the bullpen. And then you had the veteran in Jake Arietta, like Rick Sutcliffe, a young pitcher in Greg Maddox before he was really Greg Maddox, kind of like a Kyle Hendricks. And then you had the veterans, like the Dawsons, the Sutcliffe, or the Sandbergs and the uh, Graces, who were on that team too. And Zimmer and Ross kind of having that maybe uh, parallel as well as manager. Anything you see in that? Does that make sense to you at all? Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that comparison. You know, you had some young pieces. You mentioned Walton and Smith coming up. And you know, even though they were heralded players in the system, you never thought they would come to the major leagues and be as productive as they were. And then they had some veterans in the pitching staff to provide some stability. And they really kind of surprised baseball in, in going to the postseason before ultimately losing to the Giants. You know, I think some of those teams, you know, at the start of the 2000s when Don Baylor was the manager and you had Fred McGriff in there, a guy and teams that were just on the verge of, of – playoff success but didn't quite have enough either offense or pitching to get to the postseason until you know Dusty came in and took him on that run in 2003 you know they had, they had some teams under Baylor that looked like they had some pretty good pieces but they never ultimately were able to get to the postseason you know obviously with Sammy leading the way but you know you know a lot of people are trying trying to compare this to 2015. I don't think it's quite the same because that 2015 was so many young guys coming of age at the same time and really arriving ahead of schedule here You've got, a, you've got a mix of veteran players. The one thing that I worry about in terms of the Cubs being able to stay in first place is the starting pitching. You know, Jake Arrieta got off to a nice start. He went on the IL for 10 days with a thumb cut. That was no big deal. He was back in short order. But since then, it almost seems like the National League has kind of updated their book on what Jake wrote. And he doesn't have the velocity to get guys out with his fastball anymore. He still has pretty good movement on his pitches. But it seems like Major League hitters have kind of figured out that pitch that dives out of the zone we're not going to swing at that. And, you know, it, it's been hard watching uh, Jake recently because it seems like every inning there's two guys on base with nobody out, and he's throwing 25, 30 pitches to try to get out of the inning. And I'm sure it drives David Ross nuts too because Rossi caught him when he was a Cy Young guy and, and was the, maybe the best pitcher in baseball. And now he's seeing an older version of Arietta who has to try to get by on, you know, the old cliche cunning and guile. And sometimes for a guy who was a power pitcher in his heyday, that's not easy. We saw it with John Lester where he went through that metamorphosis and, and now Lester's kind of at the end of the line and, and just trying to put together four or five innings on his starts. And, you know, with Jake, I think it's pretty much the same story. That's why if, if they're in first place in mid to late July, I think they got to go out and get a, get a front, front line starting pitcher if, if one is available. Let me, just uh, as a follow-up to that, if they try to go out, let's say, let's throw, throw out Max Scherzer's name. What's Max Scherzer going to cost, you think, to get to the Cubs <laughs> that the Cubs could potentially give up to get Max Scherzer. Well, obviously the Cubs and the Nationals have some history. They, they did get together on the Schwarber deal, but you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting, um, you know, to see when two rivals try to come up with a trade, what the asking price is going to be. It's always going to be a little bit higher. Um, you know, when you've got a team that you're competing against or have competed against in the past, it's, it's like the Cubs and Cardinals trying to make a trade, which would be, you know, extremely difficult. I think that the Nationals, if they're going to move him to any uh, National League contender, is going to ask for a premium on that. And let's face it, if you're going to make a deal for Max Scherzer, you're going to want elite prospects. And that's the issue with the Cubs 
if they try to go after any frontline rotation starter is, you know, their minor league system is not that strong. I mean, what could you put together in a package? You know, are you going to trade, you know, trade Wilson Contreras? I mean, you've got no catching in the system, so you almost have to keep him. I think it'd be hard to make a deal for a guy like Scherzer. They would probably be looking at more of somebody, uh, you know, who's going to be an expiring contract that maybe is not, uh, at, you know, an elite pitcher at the level of Scherzer. Mark Schanowski from ABC Channel 7 also uh, has some great work online with his podcast as well. Tell everybody where they can find your podcast, Mark, and some of the other ventures that you're working on too. Well, I appreciate that very much, Ryan. Uh, the, as I mentioned, the podcast I'm doing with Stacey King is called Give Me the Hot Sauce. Of course, that's his trademark phrase that Bulls fans know and love. And you can find that on all the major podcast platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. It's also available on YouTube. We videotape the show every time we record a podcast, as we're doing right now. So it's available if you want to watch Stacy's stories and see his facial expressions as he's uh, weaving his yarns. You can catch that on YouTube as well. Just search for Give Me the Hot Sauce and it'll pop right up. And I, I realized that, uh, that I misspoke a little earlier. The, the Cubs, of course, Schwarber was not a trade to the Nationals. He signed as a free agent. But, you know, you look at, at uh, Schwarber and, and Lester going over there. So these teams do have some... Uh, history in terms of guys changing sides yeah that's right Davey Martinez the manager there and of mm -hmm. course Sterling Castro's over there too so yeah they're I call them I call them the Cubs North now Mark that's what I do with them. <laughs> I do that. well for me it's been like watching the Knicks in these NBA playoffs kind of rooting for Tibbs and D Rose and Taj Gibson you know they won that first game against the Hawks and I'm thinking wow they're going to go on to the conference semifinals and then they lose four in a row so you know I know we're not we're not doing a bull show but it's just kind of interesting that you know, the same thing with Tibbs. He just bleeds everything out of him during the regular season. They don't have that extra gear to go to in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's always interesting, you know, getting it back to the Cubs when some of your favorite players continue their careers elsewhere. And as long as they're not hurting the Cubs in a particular game or series, you know, you always root for them. The best game was the first game back when the Nationals came. Schwarber hits the home run. Lester gets the fantastic multiple standing ovations. And then they hit three home runs off him and win the game. That was perfect all the way around. And our thanks once again to Mark Schanowski. And you can find Mark at WLS ABC7 when he's on air there. And, of course, you can find him on Twitter at Mark Schanowski. And uh, check out his podcast. He's got some really cool stuff that he talks about when it comes to the Chicago Bulls with Stacey King. So be sure to find him where podcasts are available. Fantastic so interview. Love talking and listening to Mark uh, and uh, we've got some big, uh, big guests coming up uh, as we this can this season continues on. As I like to say, there's not another fan Cubs podcast that gets better guests than the Friendly Confines. Absolutely true. So that's going to wrap things up on this edition. Fines for Chad. I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley